Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Lining up for the gavel. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Thursday, October 5th, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. A number of Republicans have stepped forward as candidates to replace Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. Lobbying efforts will continue until next week. The largest healthcare worker strike in U.S. history is underway over issues like pay and staffing. Hear what's happening at Kaiser Permanente. Another 125,000 student loan borrowers who are already eligible are having $9 billion in debt erased by the White House. And how America's epidemic of chronic illness is killing us too soon. If you talk to any expert on public health, they will talk about the social determinants of health, which is that it's not just up to individuals to, you know, uh, you know go to the gym and, and eat their salad. I mean, our, our society tolerates and has created a lot of the conditions that result in these bad health health outcomes. Science writer Joel Achenbach at the Washington Post on America's inability to improve life expectancy. A handful of Republicans are expressing interest in replacing ousted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy among them. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana, the number two House Republican, and Ohio's Jim Jordan, chair of the Judiciary Committee and a founding member of the conservative House Freedom Caucus. The most pressing issue on Americans' minds is not Ukraine. What would you it is the border situation and it is crime on the streets. At least one report says Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma is also in the mix. Another lawmaker who could get into the race is Chip Roy of Texas a conservative who voted to save Mr. McCarthy, who was stripped of the gavel Tuesday in a move led by hardline conservatives. New York Republican Mark Molinaro. I think as a conference we have to acknowledge the reality, that is that we cannot all get our way all the time. Uh, There can't be petulance. There needs to be progress. The House is effectively paralyzed until it picks a new speaker. The lower chamber reconvenes next Tuesday with a candidate forum, then an expected vote on Wednesday. President Biden is expressing concern that the chaos on Capitol Hill could mean he can't deliver the aid promised to Ukraine's war efforts. He's expected to deliver a speech on the issue. It's not clear when. The White House has warned of the potential fallout if Congress does not pass additional aid for Ukraine after it was left out of the short-term government funding measure that former Speaker Kevin McCarthy negotiated with Democrats last week to avoid a government shutdown. The majority of the American people still support Ukraine. And the majority of the members of the Congress, both Democrat and Republican, support it. So I don't think we should let them gamesmanship get in the way of blocking it. The White House has lately been outspoken about its ongoing support for Ukraine and the need for Congress to hold a vote on additional aid. The U.S. has provided billions of dollars in military and financial assistance since Russia's invasion more than a year and a half ago. Aid for Ukraine has been a source of tension and uncertainty among some House Republicans. As you know, history was made Tuesday when eight Republicans voted with House Democrats to remove Kevin McCarthy from his role as House Speaker, which he served for nine months. Julia Johnson, politics reporter at The Washington Examiner, looks at moments that led to Mr. McCarthy's removal from the role of Speaker. Julia, take us through it. We all saw from the very beginning of um, Kevin McCarthy's tenure as Speaker, it took him a really long time to get there. It was pretty historic. It took him 15 um, ballots in order to get enough votes to become speaker. Um, There were only a few holdouts, but it was able to, you know, mess up the entire thing 
because the Republican majority was, and it remains so slim that even just a couple people can really make the entire machine malfunction. So from the get-go, he just barely had enough votes to make it, and he had to make some extreme concessions um, to even get it. Yeah. Boy, and some of those folks that were against Mr. McCarthy back in January are some of the same ones that on Tuesday voted against him in that motion to vacate. Yeah. Um, Matt Gates was one of the holdouts. Eventually, he did vote present in the last um, two ballots. Uh, but he, I mean, he was the driving force behind the motion to vacate uh, rule change, which allowed only one um, representative to be able to force a vote on a motion to vacate, which would remove the speaker if passed. Um, and, you know, he threatened to use it. And that was something that McCarthy brushed off every time. He didn't think whether it was just what he wanted to telegraph to the press or if he actually didn't think um, Matt Gates would ever use it. Um, we don't know, but he did use it. He's clearly unhappy with uh, Kevin McCarthy. And I mean, it was a concession that McCarthy made, and it really ended up being his own undoing. Yeah. We're speaking with Julia Johnson, politics reporter at the Washington Examiner. Her piece is called McCarthy's Path to Doom, Four Moments That Led to Him Losing His Speakership. Uh, touch a little more on uh, kind of th this really thin majority and, of course, the, the rebellious conference members. Yeah, I mean, something that he was always going to have to deal with, you saw it in the ballots he needed in order to become speaker, is such a thin majority. And in order to get things done, um, when you're in the majority, you need to be unified, especially if your majority is that small. It was only a couple of seats that they had over the Democrats. So we saw throughout the nine months that Kevin McCarthy was speaker that time and time again, Republican priorities were held up because there were groups of people. There was singular representatives here and there who were not happy and, um, they were really holding up whatever McCarthy was trying to do. Um, so he was already having to sort of be at their uh, disposal, uh, doing things for these very few members who um, weren't happy with what he was doing because that that's what happens when you have such a thin majority. And then, but he also uh, had to deal with making uh, negotiations with the other side, with yeah. the president. And that's where the problem really comes because there's no middle ground between Freedom Caucus uh, defectors and President Biden, and that ultimately led to his downfall. Boy, I, I mean, at least three of those things could happen again, right, when there's yeah. a new speaker in place. Republicans in the House of Representatives are in a bad position no matter what um, because those... Uh, those hardline conservative members are sticking to their guns. It's not just a Kevin McCarthy thing. It's it's just the um, reality of the having such a small majority. And it's kind of almost a cautionary tale in um, midterm campaigning in that you really need the largest majority that you can get. Thanks, Julia. Julia Johnson. 
politics reporter at the Washington Examiner. Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors plus accessories. Visit dell.com slash gift guide today. That's dell.com slash gift guide. Thanks for joining us. More than 75,000 unionized employees of Kaiser Permanente, including nurses and pharmacists, have walked off the job, marking the largest healthcare worker strike in U.S. history. Kaiser Permanente is one of the nation's largest not-for-profit health providers. Respiratory therapist David Boston on the picket line in Los Angeles. If we accept the raises that they're offering us right now, it's not a pay increase. It's a pay cut. Striking employees who work across California, Colorado, Washington, Virginia, Oregon, and Washington, D.C., are represented by a coalition of unions that comprise 40% of Kaiser Permanente's total staff. The strike will run through Saturday morning. Another worker pointed to staffing shortages. Sometimes we're doing double work, you know, we can't give them our patients the care that we really want to do and spend the time with them because we're short-staffed. After the strike started, the system notified patients where to expect closures, including pharmacies, ambulatory surgery centers, and other services across more than two dozen locations. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Several prominent Republicans are jumping into the race for House Speaker and pledged to unite their splintered party after Kevin McCarthy was ousted in a vote orchestrated by hardline conservatives. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, the number two House Republican, announced his candidacy, as did Ohio's Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Republican Congressman Mark Molinaro of New York told ABC the eight Republicans behind McCarthy's, McCarthy's ouster undermined the party. I um, tend to believe that our, our dirty laundry should remain in our room, our laundry room, and so I think the conference has to have a serious conversation about that. Oklahoma's Kevin Hearn also plans to run for speaker. The House is effectively paralyzed until it picks a new speaker, raising the stakes for a successful vote next week. Number two. President Biden says he will deliver a major speech about funding for Ukraine and why it's critically important for the United States and our allies that we keep our commitment. Biden made the comments in response to a question about whether he was worried about the U.S. as being unable to deliver aid to Ukraine because of the disarray on Capitol Hill. It does worry me, and, but I know there are a majority of members of the House and Senate in both parties who have said that they support funding Ukraine. Biden also lamented the poisonous atmosphere in Washington, saying we need to stop seeing each other as enemies. Number three. 2023 is still on course to be the hottest year on record following extraordinarily high temperatures in September and the hottest summer in human history. The European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service says global average temperatures for January through September were 1.4 degrees Celsius higher than the pre-industrial period of 1850 to 1900. September was a staggering 1.75 degrees Celsius warmer, leading one researcher to describe the findings as nothing less than absolutely God-smackingly bananas. Meta Platforms, the parent company of Facebook and sunglass maker Ray-Ban, are partnering to create a new and improved pair of artificial intelligence-powered sunglasses 
that can record, make calls, and more. Wearers of the Ray-Ban Meta smart glasses can live stream, play music or podcasts, snap pictures and video, send messages, or make calls through social media. They'll be available later this month starting at $300. Artificial intelligence-powered sunglasses. You want a pair? We, we need that, right? That's, <laughs> that's what we need. Oh, man. Thank you, Jen. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermal regulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Thanks for being with us. If you feel like you've heard a lot about the potential of an airline strike, you're not going crazy. It's really happening. Pilots, flight attendants, ground crews, and other unionized airline workers are all negotiating more or less simultaneously. What's that mean for your upcoming flights? Here's Zach Wichter, travel columnist at USA Today. Zach, give us a status update. So across the airline industry, different groups are currently negotiating their contracts. So at a lot of airlines, we see pilots, flight attendants, even in some cases, baggage handlers, basically all of the different union groups or many of the different union groups uh, have their work agreements up for negotiation. Um, And the thing about airlines that's a little bit different than some of the other strikes that we're seeing in other industries is these contracts never actually expire. The way that it works in the airlines is that they um, become amendable. So because airlines are sort of regulated differently and they're kind of deemed an essential service, airline employees can't strike very easily and they can't just stop working when their contracts end. And so they sort of negotiate their new contracts while still working under the terms of the old contract. And part of the reason we're seeing so many of these negotiations right now is because they were a little more staggered before the pandemic, and then the negotiations at most of the airlines went on pause during the pandemic or Mm. earlier in the pandemic. And so now everything is sort of caught up and everyone is kind of doing everything all at once. All right, so it's unlikely then that pilots would actually walk off or grounds crews would just not show up that that generally does not happen in the airline industry that's right it's really really hard for a strike to actually be legally approved Um, there are a lot of extra steps in the airline industry it needs to go through mediation there's a cooling off period Um, it actually i think needs to kind of be deemed legal by the national mediation board but we see time and again when it comes to these airline uh, contract negotiations that the groups frequently author vote to authorize a strike 
Um, and, you know, a lot of people in the industry say, oh, it's just a messaging tool, like, they can't really strike, there are all of these hurdles to get there. What the labor leaders I spoke to say is, when they vote to authorize that strike, they're serious about it, they're okay. ready to do it if they go through all of the steps and they feel that the company isn't negotiating with them in good faith. But again, it's a lot of steps um, to get there, so strikes are really unlikely, but that doesn't mean that they can't happen, and it doesn't mean that the groups uh, that vote to authorize them aren't unwilling to do them. We're speaking with Zach Wichter, travel columnist at USA Today. His piece is about how airline labor deals impact you with the potential for strikes in the airline industry. Uh, what would the impact be on flyers here, if even if they don't strike? Sure. So, obviously, if they do strike, um, the, the impact is obvious, like the airline is on strike, it's really hard to travel if your pilots aren't flying the planes. The, the impacts that we see more often though if they don't strike, um, one thing is you may see increased like protest and picketing activity at airports. Um, we saw this a lot, especially last summer with different pilot groups and flight attendants doing informational pickets. That's different than a strike because they're doing it in their own time, uh, on their own free time. And so you may see some demonstrations at airports. Zach Wichter, he writes the Cruising Altitude column at USA Today. One thing we all have in common is a need to feed. If you're like me, you love to eat and want to eat right without much pre-planning and shopping. Enter HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall with HelloFresh handling all the meal planning and shopping. They do the work, you take a bow. Plus, HelloFresh is more than just dinners. There's breakfast, quick lunches, fresh snacks, tasty, time-saving, and delivered to your front door. HelloFresh's convenience, variety, and quality keep me eating right all day and night. Right now, save from the start. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh's menu offers 40 recipes and over 100 add-ons. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Say goodbye to boring meal plans and HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon. Thanks for spending time with us and welcome into Thursday, October 5. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan among the Republicans campaigning to be the next House Speaker. 75,000 healthcare workers at Kaiser Permanente on strike. Another $9 billion in student loan debt forgiven. A high school teacher in Missouri in trouble after officials discovered she was doing porn on the website OnlyFans. All four of baseball's wildcard series end in a two-game sweep. And the NFL defending its coverage of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift like its Instagram saying, the Chiefs are 2-0 as Swifties. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Dell Technologies has a gift for everyone on your list with top tech powered by the latest Intel Core processors. Get a jump on your holiday shopping at dell.com slash gift guide. While opioids and gun violence have rightly seized the public's attention, stealing hundreds of thousands of lives, chronic diseases are the greatest threat, killing far more people between the ages of 35 and 64 every year. Why does this happen in America, where we brag about the greatest health care? Here's Joel Achenbach, science writer at The Washington Post. Joel, explain. It's the chronic diseases that are, that are, that are robbing us of so much life. Okay, it is the it is diabetes and obesity, 
Uh, cancer is on that list. It's not always a chronic disease, but heart disease, um, you know, lung disease. These things are, are striking a lot of people in their 40s and 50s, and they're not making it to retirement age. Economic, political, and racial divides are part of this problem. Explain. Well, if you talk to any expert on public health, they will talk about the social determinants of health, which is that, you know, these it, it's not just up to individuals to, you know, uh, you know go to the gym and, and eat their salad. I mean, our, our society tolerates and has created a lot of the conditions that result in these bad health health outcomes. You have food deserts in poor neighborhoods. You have a lot of uh, inequality when it comes to basic things like income. You know, can you afford decent food? Uh, basic things like access to health care. You know, do you do you have a doctor? Can you even find a doctor? You know, what is you know what's your insurance situation? There's a lot of th- factors that go into these determinants of health. Our story, you know, is a combination of a lot of data analysis a lot of expert analysis, but also we talk to real people and, and the bulk of the story is 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 their their stories about their own lives. And I think it it puts a face on this issue. It makes it it feel real. These are people that that I hope that the reader you know understands you know what they're going through. We're speaking with Joel Achenbach, science writer at the Washington Post. His piece is called Dying Early, America's Life Expectancy Crisis. Uh, there was somebody who made a fascinating point in your story who said, hey, if we came in last in the Olympics, that would get a lot of attention. So why isn't it that this attracts more attention than it is or should be attracting more attention? Well, well so th- this has generated headlines. When I say this, the fact that America has poor life expectancy compared to other countries. There have been a lot of stories about it in the news and columns about it. But what you haven't heard is this become a big political issue at the top level of government. I mean, the people running for president aren't going around talking about America's poor life expectancy. Now, why is that? Part of it is that it it's such a complicated issue. I mean, like, where's the, where are you even going to get a hold of it? Where are you going to uh, say, hey, we need to do this to improve life expectancy? Some of the things are kind of obvious. Um, you know, we, we you know definitely need to help fight you know poverty and things like that, because a lot of the people who are not living very long, they're just poor. It, and it's kind of a vicious cycle. Um, but it's a it's it's such a thorny issue. I think it's elusive at the political level. Um, there's no obvious advantage for one of the big parties or the other party to t- take it on, because I think that it's it's um, it's a little bit of a no go zone uh, for, for for them, and so it it lurks in the background of the national conversation uh, rather than being you know issue number one. Touch on if you would then uh, life expectancy in the U.S. versus say peer countries. Well, the U the U.S. a gap began developing back, uh, I believe, around 1980. Uh, there are some academic researchers that have been pointing this this out. What's striking is that the, the gap has been growing kind of steadily in the last 15 years or so. Like right around 2010, American life expectancy just went flat. And we, we wrote about that and, and we blamed it to, uh, in, you know, in our newspaper a lot on opioids 
um, and because that was that was when that epidemic was really taking off and taking a lot of young people's lives, and and uh, many of us know people who 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 died of of overdoses, and that was a big part of it. Um, but but what our data shows is that it's these underlying chronic diseases that are really suppressing our life expectancy. Thanks, Joel. Joel Achenbach, science writer at The Washington Post. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Hey, thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday Eve. It's time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, we've told you plenty of stories about people trying to negotiate their way into better seats on airplanes, so you have to be pretty brazen to be labeled the final boss of seat stealers. That's what one passenger was labeled by a recent flyer who posted their story to reddit the woman says that she was the last to board the flight and when she got to her assigned seat there was a man sitting in it when she informed him that it was her seat he told her that he was set up and comfortable and asked if she would be okay taking his assigned seat the woman said no which caused the seat stealer to perform a fussy shuffle muttering to himself while he moved his stuff then he takes it up a notch after clearing the seat area he accidentally knocks his drink all over the seat and says, oh, dang, it looks like the seat is all wet. No way you're going to want to sit there now. I'll just go ahead and sit in the wet seat. Passengers who witnessed the incident accused the drink speller of doing it on purpose. One commenter said the woman should have retaliated by tossing her own water near the seat of his pants mm. to make it look like he had his own accident. Wow. Well, that's going to happen anyway because he volunteered to sit in the wet seat. It's weird. I mean, that is just, that is just craziness. This is a made-up thing on Reddit. I mean, I, Did we, I, just, we, we uh, can't confirm these stories uh, on Reddit, but it was fairly elaborate, I have to say. There's a lot, okay. a lot of details here, yeah. and some that I had to cut out for time. Oh, uh, okay. A you know, lot, lot of details here. So, I mean, someone would have to really get creative to come up with a story like this. So, this guy is in the wrong. Yeah. Then he goes further into the wrong. Right, yeah. Seem like. And holds up the whole plane because they had to come and, uh, you know, kind of clean up the oh, water. They, they had to vacuum up the, the water spillage and right. all that. So, yeah. It's not your seat. <laughs> get out when you're asked. Yes. It's not difficult. Don't get yourself all comfortable. No. That, you, that's that's it's like, it's like seat stealer 101, they yeah. say. Somebody gets all comfortable and they set themselves. I'm like, oh, right. look, you really want me to yeah. pack up all my stuff and move? You know. yeah. You're sitting in 11B. Your seat is 22F. <laughs> get out. Yeah. You're caught. You're busted. That's it. If it was a, a, a you know, wide open flight, yeah. you're good. Yeah, Congratulations. Keep, keep Otherwise, your, get out. Keep your water to yourself, too. And uh, we were warned, but that doesn't mean that the National Emergency Alert System test yesterday didn't surprise a lot of people and inspire a lot of jokes on social media. The test was deemed a success, though not on time as advertised. We were told the alert would blare through our phones at 2.20 p.m. Eastern, but at 2.18, millions of devices went off two minutes early. And despite the warning, the test interrupted live events nationwide, from football press conferences to Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who joked that our Russian friends might have been responsible. <laughs> Social media also had fun with the unusual event. One user joked, Good to know my notification of the impending nuclear strike has a margin of error of plus minus five minutes. <laughs> a football fan joked that they didn't need a national alert to tell them that the Bears still suck. Mm. Others took time to confirm that the alert didn't turn them into zombies, which was a conspiracy theory being floated in some circles oh. leading up to the test. I wasn't aware of that one. Yeah, that yeah. didn't happen to me either, though I actually don't remember this going off either. And I know it must have. I had my phone on, but I was napping at the time. Yeah. And I think I was so tired yesterday, I think I basically just slept through it. Okay. Well, the good thing is that if there were a nuclear attack, yes. you wouldn't have to worry about I, 
I you'd would just, know, yeah. You'd be vaporized without any kind of warning. Probably best case scenario. Yes, I think you're probably right. right. There's nothing I could do about no. it at that point. I might as well just sleep through yeah. it. I was, uh, I was in my car on the way to soccer practice listening to uh, Rattle and Hum by U2 nice. when this went off. And I noticed it was 218, and I thought, what happened to 220? <laughs> my clock seems right. I looked at my watch. Everything seems to match up. Yeah. 218. Someone forgot to uh, check the clocks yeah. at the uh, Someone didn't recalibrate. Center. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors plus accessories. Visit Dell.com slash gift guide today. That's Dell.com slash gift guide this is america's first news preparing you for the day ahead with headlines and in-depth analysis this morning with gordon deal thanks for being with us on the personal finance front the four best money moves for the month of october courtesy of money.com number one look out for the social security cost of living adjustment announcement it's due a week from today if you get the average payment of seventeen hundred dollars Look for an extra $58 in that check. Number two, check your credit report. The three major credit bureaus are now giving you free weekly online access on a permanent basis. Number three, don't panic over the stock market. Since World War II, the S&P 500's average volatility has been 35% higher than average during this month. And number four, start saving for the holidays now and only give what you can afford. Eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. President Biden has announced student debt forgiveness for another group of people months after the Supreme Court blocked the administration's most ambitious borrower relief program. The string of announcements comes thanks to the administration's use of existing programs that allow the government to waive debt for certain borrowers. I believe the court's decision to strike down my student debt relief program is wrong. But I promised I wouldn't give up. Since then, my administration has been pursuing a new approach, grounded and under a different law, the Higher Education Act. The announcement of $9 billion in student debt cancellation for 125,000 borrowers is the latest in a string of sizable discharges. It targets borrowers who were enrolled in public service and income-based loan repayment programs and borrowers with disabilities. Number two. More than 75,000 nurses, pharmacists, and other employees of the Kaiser Permanente Health System walked off the job Wednesday in the largest U.S. healthcare strike on record. The workers struck after contracts expired and their unions couldn't agree with Kaiser on how much a new deal would increase wages and staffing. This respiratory therapist picketed in Los Angeles. Nobody wants to be out here. Nobody wants to be out here picketing. But we're doing it for our brothers and sisters. We're all united. Um, there has to be a change. To minimize the impact on patients, Kaiser said it brought on thousands of temporary workers. Acting Labor Secretary Julie Sue met with both sides to help resolve the strike. Number three. The Biden administration's nominee to head the FAA says the agency must address a persistent air traffic controller shortage that has caused flight delays. Nominee Michael Whitaker told the Senate Commerce Committee he would support opening a second air traffic controller academy to address staffing. We must have a pipeline of dedicated public servants to achieve our mission. Nowhere is this clearer than the ongoing work to catch up on air traffic controller hiring. The shortage has been years in the making, but you have my commitment 
to reduce this backlog. Whitaker also says the FAA must address a recent spate of close calls at airports. We have meatless meat and now beanless coffee. A Seattle-based startup called Atomo Coffee has launched a beanless coffee that uses superfoods and upcycled ingredients to mimic the molecular structure of coffee. Atomo says its cold brew beanless coffee causes 93% fewer carbon emissions and uses 94% less water than regular coffee. Woo. All right. Thank you, Jen. Glad you're with us. Without a single jackpot winner last night, the new Powerball prize has risen to $1.4 billion for Saturday. Meanwhile, three members of a Michigan Lottery Club claimed their Powerball jackpot million-dollar prize just in the nick of time. USA Today says the Rack Pack Lottery Club, consisting of five members, matched all five white balls in the Powerball drawing last October. They purchased their winning ticket at a Shell gas station. On Lottery Day, some group members pooled money to buy multiple Powerball tickets. The jackpot was 825 mil. It wasn't in, though until last week that the three club members visited Michigan Lottery headquarters to get their prize. They didn't win the grand prize of 825 mil because they didn't get the Powerball correct. The Michigan Lottery says the winners plan to use their prize money for home improvements, paying off student loans, and beefing up savings. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.